Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener like I state on every episode I really do appreciate your support thank you so much for clicking spinning for sharing it means the absolute world it's spooky season and it's finally time to return and play another game with the main man himself Jigsaw. Saw X has steamrolled its way into cinemas over the weekend and as a huge fan of the Saw films I have two things to begin with. One, it is a bloody great addition to the franchise and two, it's so amazing just to see how many fans and critics have been to see the film and have all come away super impressed with this new instalment. I've seen the film twice now at the cinema and I seriously believe that this is a top three contender for Saw films, which is something that I absolutely did not think was going to be the case before I went to see this. I did an episode back in August, I think it was around that time anyways, just discussing and going over what I wanted from the new Saw film. And I'm just super thrilled that a lot of the things that I was discussing did in fact get ticked. They seriously brought their A-game with this movie. It is a brilliant homage to the classic run, as well as mixing things up and making it their own. The film had a budget of $13 million, and it is currently sitting on $30 million at the box office after its first weekend, which is brilliant, really, and it's awesome to see, and it just shows you that people still want more Saw. I want more Saw. Give me more Saw. Now, I've been quite vocal about my distaste for 2017's Jigsaw, and then obviously everyone's got an opinion on Spiral, and without retreading on what I have said previously, I really don't mind Spiral at all. I thought it was a cool direction, but I thought the twist was incredibly weak, and some of the things just didn't work for me as a fan. You know what I mean? I just didn't really vibe that much with it. But I'm always going to be excited for a Saw film, regardless, whatever it is. If they announce it, I will be there on opening night, checking it out, and just hoping that it kind of captures what made Saw so, dare I say, enjoyable for the earlier films anyways. Like the Saw franchise, towards the end, it did heavily rely... I mean, towards the end and the last few films, we should say, the twist, basically, they have all revolved around a new accomplice, and it just got so, so tiring. And with the same writers, obviously, Peter Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, they helmed Spiral and Jigsaw. You know, they were back for Saw X. I did have reservations about the film and its story, but it turns out those guys can indeed write a good Saw film. Third time's a charm, am I right? But this film had everything for me as a fan. The traps were great and gnarly when they wanted to be. It looked and felt like a Saw film with its dirty oranges and mouldy green lighting as opposed to the very crisp and clean and theatrical, cinematic look that Jigsaw and Spiral had. I thought going back to basics worked well, really, really well for it. It felt like Saw, basically. We got Billy the Puppet back, and not to mention as well the depth and amount of time spent with John Kramer and really being presented with a beautiful yet heartbreaking character study of them, something, again, that we've never really seen before. I mean, yeah, sure, we've had numerous flashbacks and pockets of info here and there, but to solely focus on a dying John Kramer and the lengths that he will go for a cure was just truly heartbreaking to watch, especially when, you know, he thinks that he's been cured, only to have that ripped away from him, you know, and find out that that isn't the case at all. And it's crazy, really, to feel such empathy towards his character. And I loved, loved that side of the film's narrative. 
I seriously went through all the emotions with this film and found it so pleasing as a long-time fan that I really didn't want this film to end. And to be honest, when that classic Saw theme kicked in at the end, courtesy of my man Charlie Klautzer, I was gutted and surprised that the film was coming to its climax, you know, because boy, oh boy, did those two hours fly by in the cinema. And that's what we're going to be going over. We're going to be going over everything and everything about Saw X, starting spoiler-free, and then we will dive into a few spoilery areas, which I'm excited about because this film had it all, really. But before we do proceed, obviously, the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as to RSS.com. Jump onto Facebook and Instagram, search your blogs about films, give us a like and a follow on there. That would be grand if you could, too, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast from. Hit the notification button and, finally, leave us a review, because that would be great. Hit those five stars, whatever it is, I would very much appreciate it. A sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky experimental medical procedure in the hope of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. So as we know, the film is set a few weeks after the events of Saw 1, making this Saw 1.5 to be exact. And I have to hand it to the team for making this choice because it allowed to bring back the best thing about this franchise. Tobin Bell, my God, did he do stellar work in this film. Director Kevin Grattert stated in an interview that he felt it was a gutsy move with Spiral by not including John Kramer, which to me, that's him saying, that was a pretty dumb decision, seeing as he is the star of these films. And Saw X just rectifies that massively. There are very little moments in this film that do not involve Tobin Bell, John Kramer. He is the star of this film and his performance Good heavens, it deserves such high praise. I never actually thought that I would feel such sympathy and care for his character ten films later, you know. Granted, we've always understood why he does the things he has and and does, we should say, and what led him to becoming the Jigsaw Killer, but to really shift that and make John so vulnerable, it was a completely different side to what we expect from his character, and one that worked excellently and effectively for the film. It was such a different and unique take for his character, and of course the Saw series. Now, Tobin Bell, as this character, has always been a huge presence whenever John Kramer has been on screen, you know. Saw 2, he got a great line like there, and Saw 3 as well, really, really a lot more screen time than obviously the Saw 1. But Saw X making him the protagonist was, I could say, a brilliant move, like, and one that paid off 100%. I said before in my discussion pod that this storyline of having him being conned just puts you on the side of Jigsaw straight up. You know, the writing team have the audience in the palm of their hands by this. We usually don't really see this side with him. We just see the next set of victims having to endure and try and survive his game or their trap, we should say. But I wouldn't ever say you're necessarily rooting for anyone in the films. Whereas Saw X, you are genuinely on the side of John Kramer. You start by seeing a weak and desperate John having his chemo, being part of self-help groups, talking about how long he has left to then get that little bit of hope that there may in fact be a chance of a cure only for that to be snatched away too. It's a horrible feeling, and you are fully on side with John Kramer 
once the action starts and the traps unfold that he's set up, you know? Because that's the worst bit about these con artists. They take the little bit of hope that people have left and make money off that, make profit off that in the process. They are some of the most evil people that deserve everything they get in this film. Now, having Jigsaw as the hero of the film was just excellent. And usually, you know, John doesn't make things personal. Like he always says, it can never be personal. This one, however... It is more than just a personal vendetta or a revenge plot. Yes, these con artists have cheated John Kramer, so there's the personal implication there, but it's more so the many other lives as well that they've cost, you know, by profiting and, and by lying to them, let's say. You know, I think the film says it's about 30 people that they've conned, 34 people, I think, to be exact, that they've conned, all of which have sadly deceased. You know, it's more to stop the con artists from progressing and from profiting off any other poor soul that has got that last little bit of hope thinking they're going to be cured is to stop them from taking that away from people stop them from making money off dying people but of course it's all within the rules you know within the rules of their games the game isn't rigged for them to die like if they survive they will be rehabilitated and if they don't it's one less piece of shit on the face of the earth, let's be honest. But aside from the marvellous storytelling and having the audience, like I say, in the palm of John Kramer's hand, it is the performance from Tobin Bell that makes this film as good as it is. My goodness, I could sit and waffle endlessly about just how good he is in the film, but basically... I would say that this is the best that Tobin Bell has ever been as this character. Saw 2 probably is the most we've ever really had him on screen, but even then... That was just part of a game, obviously, that he's talking away with Detective Matthews. We learn bits and bats and stuff, but this really was such a very moving performance, I felt, at times. Like, I almost, like, describe him as, like, he's like everyone's granddad in this. Like, you just want to put your arm around him and be like, it's okay, mate, we're going to get through this together. I, d I don't know if anyone else felt that, but I really did just feel, like, just such a care for his character. Saw X is so much more personal. It's seeing him live his life with the cancer. You know, we see him at home struggling with his mobility. We get to see him just out and about, having a coffee or just somewhere sat in the park doodling away or whatever it was just nice seeing that kind of backdrop nice seeing him in a different environment as opposed to just solely setting up traps and having flashbacks with him and his wife this that and the other now this also works too because of the movie's pacing it allows the audience to take in everything it wants to present it's a slow burner as everyone says and i feel it's because of that that the film has been as successful as it is. There's no rushing into the traps or the main plot. It's just plods along very nicely and at the right speed for you to buy into why it is that John Kramer is targeting the people that he does in this film. The shift, though, once the film does start with the games, is absolutely fantastic. And I've already mentioned you're already fully on board with him and you cannot wait to see these awful people meet their maker. We will come to the traps, don't you worry, but there's one sequence where I thought that Tobin Bell really showcased his range and is where he's telling the group of con artists, you know, what he thinks and why they are there, you know, exclaiming that they have been conning dying people and taking away their hope. It was it was such a brutal watch and you feel every emotion in John Kramer's voice. And honestly, I can still hear that delivery, that line delivery perfectly in my head. Now, the other side of the film as well that was a joy to watch, just following on from that, was the relationship, of course, between John and Amanda. It is so great to see Shawna Smith back in action and we see more into her character and her mindset, you know, how it's working within the games. Now, 
we know that Amanda in the later Saw films or whatever, she rigged a lot of games moving forward, you know, before she was killed in Saw 3. And Saw X kind of touches on that when she's stating to John that these people don't even deserve a chance. And for once, I'm actually on side with Amanda on that one. There's also the discussion of drug use as well and how that's not exactly a reason for people to be targeted as it's a much bigger problem. And it is something that the Saw franchise has often been criticised for. You know, the fact that John Kramer would put like drug users uh, who've got addiction problems, he'd put them in traps. And a bit of a grey area around that. A lot of people would, would jump on that and say, that's not really a reason. But I did think that the conversation between Amanda and John regarding that was very interesting. I thought it handled it very well, not as way of like fully silencing critics, but just understanding why it is that John does target drug users still. It's all about free will, as he states, you know? But whilst we are obviously talking about Amanda, I, honestly, how good was it to see Shawnee Smith back in this role? Like, I always thought that they kind of maybe killed her off a little bit too early in the franchise, because for me, I always felt like the Saw 3 felt like it was the end of Saw. Um, obviously that wasn't the case because we're still here now, Saw 10, but you know what I mean, like, because they wrapped up, they killed off Jigsaw, they killed off Amanda, and I was like, well, where do we go now? And I do feel that they had so much potential with Amanda, especially given what what we knew she was up to, you know, by being so deceiving with the traps. And as much as I love Hoffman, I, I thought it would have been cool maybe to have seen a working relationship between Amanda and Hoffman, and maybe you could then go down the whole legacy feud between those two, um, rather than having it Hoffman and Jill Tuck, that's Jigsaw's wife, you know, they were the ones fighting for his legacy in the, in the well, in the last chapter anyways. But you know what I mean? They could have done that with Amanda instead. That could have been entertaining, but again, that's, maybe, that's all ifs and buts and what ifs, you know what I mean? So another story for another day. But I just felt that Shawnee Smith fell straight back into the role and felt that there were some really strong emotional beats between her and John and how she knows that eventually he isn't going to be there anymore to guide her. And it's whether or not she can, in fact carry on the legacy and fill those shoes of his. I also thought it was a good take to see her interact with victims of the games, to see a little bit of compassion there, especially with, you know, the character of Gabriella. You know, this follows on with what I was just saying earlier about, like, the whole drug usage aspect of it. And you can see that Amanda just doesn't fully support Gabriella being there. So she does what she can, really, to help Gabriella and get away with it. But overall, I thought that the Jigsaw-Amanda relationship and chemistry, it was like the beating heart of the film almost, and it was really, really great to see those two on screen together. And to be honest with you, it just took me right back to the early 2000s, just seeing them on screen together. And not to mention, too, that you know Lionsgate themselves brought back the Red Wheels logo at the start before the Twisted Pictures logo. I thought all of this was just such a big big nostalgia hit but let's move over to nicely to the traps of the film because there's some good ones and what i do want to mention now that we've come to discussion the traps is that i thought it was really good that we didn't just dive straight into a trap to begin the film right usually we have a trap for starters before the main course like it always starts a saw film it's a trap but as stated the film takes its time with getting us there in addition i do think as well when it came to like using the eye vacuum trap what they did with that was so clever, and I won't go into spoilers just yet, but it's not at all what it seems at the back of, you know, the footage and the trailers that we've been provided. It's very, very different how they approached this and showcased it, but in such a very, very good way. Hold that thought, we'll come to that later. The other thing as well revolving the traps is how we know what John has used for the traps and how he got them. 
again, the Saw franchise is often criticised for its outlandish traps and the queries of like, where on earth did he get some of these tools that he needed from to make the trap? Or where did he, how did he come up with this, this, that and the other? You know, gone are the days where you can go and walk into a shop and buy a good old pendulum blade, this and that. I mean, to be honest, I never questioned much of the logic when it came to the design of the traps. I'm just like, yeah. That's fine, moving on. But with this one, John uses the location that the con artist used as their secret hospital, meaning he has everything that they had there at his disposal. And boy, does he make use of them well. From the brain surgery trap to the jiggly saw trap, there are a lot of moments to make you wince and curl up and you see just just happy that you've got all your limbs attached to yourself. There's one trap in this film that really, like, it really did make me take a few deep breaths. Just, wow. <laughs> really like, okay, this is this is a tough, tough watch. I also quickly want to give a shout to Sinove Makode-Lund. Again, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but she plays Dr. Cecilia Peterson. She was absolutely brilliant as this character that you love to hate. I don't think I've hated a character as much as I have in any previous film. Maybe Cecil, maybe Cecil, whatever his name was, but damn, damn Cecilia Pitt Peterson is one calculated cold mofo. Like she gives John Kramer a good run for his money. But for me, this was everything I was wanting and then some. We Saw fans have been waiting for another good film and I honestly do not see how any Saw fan can walk away disappointed with this one. I feel the twist was fine, nothing too ridiculous and it worked well for this film. The mid-credit scene though had me smiling from ear to ear and something that again, Saw fans will be very, very happy with. And I just think that Kevin Gritter has worked his magic once again, like... You know, he directed fan-fave Saw 6, and he also did Saw 7, but let's not go there. Uh, and he's also edited every Saw film since the first, so he knows his stuff, you know, and at times I almost felt like he was showing off. <laughs> and I mean that in a really flattering way. It's almost like he was there going, yeah, come on, guys, like, of course I can make a great Saw film. But everything about this was awesome. And and again, I, I, I cannot wait to really to see where they go next with it. Like... Whether they do this kind of in-between film situation, I don't know. They could follow on nicely from this, but I definitely want more, and I'm so chuffed that they've just thought, you know what, we've tried different things. We've tried this, we've tried Spiral, we've done whatever we can with Jigsaw, tried to like force in other apprentices, blah, 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 blah. Let's just go back to what the original formula was. Let's just go back to what made Saw so enjoyable and what made people come to the cinema to watch Saw, and they've nailed it. They've absolutely nailed it. So for me... I'm going to give this, it's a solid 8.5, if I'm being honest. I genuinely, genuinely can't wait to see it again. And and it's obviously going into my collection. And like I said, I I, I just can't decide at the minute. I'm still I'm still uncertain. I, I, in terms of rankings, you know, for me, the first one's always the best one. And then it was always Saw 2. And now Saw X goes into the top three mark. But it's whether or not I think it's better than Saw 2. And I think that part of me, and again, it could be recency bias, but part of me is a little bit like it is because of that like personal theme there within and the character study of John Kramer. So I don't know, a few more rewatches. I could be saying it is definitely better than Saw 2, but everyone loves Saw 2. Some people might be thinking that's blasphemy even trying to compare whatever, but yeah, it's great basically. And I'm going to be jumping into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the film, this is your final warning before we cut into some very good stuff. So thank you as always. Do come back if, if you've not seen the film and you don't want it spoiled, but do come back when you have so I can talk a little bit more about Sorex and what I enjoyed so much about it. But spoilers right now from three, two, one. So let's talk about more trap action because there's so much, like favourite trap-wise, there's so much that I dug about this. Now, one thing that I thought was genius approach, as I've already mentioned, was the eye vacuum trap, how they did that and, and put that on screen. I'm not going to lie, 
I thought the film was going to open with this. It's been heavily marketed, obviously, in the trailer. It's, of course, used in the promo, the the poster for the film. But the way they did actually utilise it in the film was just absolutely brilliant. Like, obviously, the film opens with John Kramer having his MRI scan. But then we see him catching a young custodian thinking about pocketing a patient's watch and gold ring. And it's here where things got shook up that I absolutely loved. The whole trap sequence, the eye vacuum trap, is in the mind of John Kramer. You can see him look at the hospital patient. He's set up with like his fingers held in place with like a brace. He notices the vacuum that the worker is using, obviously working with, and he imagines this trap that's been that that suits this potential victim perfectly. I thought this was a brilliant twist and something again that was so outside the box, really, with Saw films and the traps itself. And it was just cool to see the cogs in Jigsaw's mind ticking along and just imagining this sequence, all before advising the custodian he's made a good choice when we cut back to the reality that is. And he puts the items back in the patient's drawers. He clocks at John Kramer's seen him and he's like, I'm not gonna actually steal this, and he leaves. Um so all of that was just absolutely fantastic. There's also the one trap that I struggled with in the cinema, and that was for the character Valentina. Like, she has to remove her leg using a jiggly saw, I think it's pronounced, and she has to take out so much of her bone marrow to escape the trap before her head's decapitated. Like, even from the trailer, I knew this was going to be a bit of a hard one to watch. Like, the sound effects here, while she's sawing the leg off, was bloody gnarly, put it that way. The whole thing was just wild, and I honestly was so relieved once that particular trap was over. Now, the brain surgery trap as well had everyone kind of looking forward to seeing how that would unfold. And again, I thought that one was going to be the most difficult to watch, but I'm not sure if it's because I'm just so desensitized these days, but I didn't think that one was overly horrible. I thought it was going to be much, much worse, but hey, I'll take it as it was pretty insane to watch, you know, and I thought that Octavio Hinojosa, who played Matteo, did really well to make it feel really believable and someone that genuinely was terrified and horrified with what was happening. I guess the only other real trap that I, I want to talk about, which it does lead nicely to the twist of the film, but obviously Jigsaw himself has to take part in a trap due to seemingly being outsmarted by Cecilia and her partner in crime, Parker Sears, played by Stephen Brand. Now, quick one on the character of Parker Sears. I wasn't his biggest fan. Uh, I just, I always love how American films, like, in them, we Brits were so British. Like, he couldn't have been any more British if he tried. All that was missing was a tea and bloody biscuits, you know what I mean? It was just, just quite over the top in that front. But that was really only, like, my main negative of the film was that character. But just back to this trap, and again, I thought that... It was just very clever and a new take to have Jigsaw himself have to be taking part in a trap. Obviously, it all unveils that Jigsaw had planned for this. He, you know, he, he knew this was going to happen, but still, the bloodboarding, a, a whole new take of waterboarding, was was pretty harsh. Added as well to the fact that the cold character that is Cecilia brings in the young boy to take part. You know, she's even worse than Jigsaw in the film. To be honest with you, like quite sadistic and has no remorse or code as what John does, you know. I mean, not only does she cut open and use Valentina's guts for rope to pull the table that her phone was on, which is, it was quite fun. It's weird. It's saying, when you say like things like, oh, she uses guts as ropes, it's quite funny. Like, it sounds sadistic, I know, but it's really quite absurd. But again, you can't help but have a chuckle at what's actually happening. You know, and then following that, she then kills Gabriella after Gabriella successfully escapes her trap. You know, she snaps her neck or whatever. It just shows you that she has no care for anyone but herself ultimately that that is the case you know she sacrifices Parker Sears at the end so that she can live or whatever but with the trap obviously that John Kramer puts himself in I thought that again just reinstated that 
John Kramer's not a killer by nature and that he does have value and a moral code when it comes to the traps and the test subjects. He had planned all along that he and I think it would probably be Amanda would end up in this trap while Cecilia and Parker went off to get their money. However, once a young boy is brought in and popped into the trap, it's a case of doing everything that John can to prevent that boy from dying in this trap because he does not deserve this. The young boy is an innocent party, doesn't deserve anything that's happened to him whatsoever, and so if it means that John has to die to save him, he will. Now, the twist of the film was one that I was worried about going in because I, again, didn't want it to be involving any other apprentice. Thankfully, it wasn't that. It was more of a simpler twist, and this time, one that actually revolved around the game. That's what made makes Saw, isn't it? Every If a twist is game-related and nothing to do with like anything else left field, it, it's what works, you know what I mean? And so, like, I just thought that the twist itself is, is not like... It's not that it wasn't the best twist or whatever, but it did it did work for me, you know what I mean? Like John knew that Cecilia would call for assistance should she get the opportunity. So she, you know, she gets hold of her phone, does that, and he planned all of this in motion, knowing that the last part of the trap, you know, was going to get them in that room and then everything would unfold and transpire from there. By her pulling that bag of what they thought was full of money, it triggered the next part of the trap, shutting the door to the room and filling it with toxic gas in which only one person can survive from. I will say that I was gutted that Cecilia didn't meet a more grisly demise of the film. I thought she very much deserved it. But I also want to give props to the writing team because we actually had survivors in these games and not everyone did, in fact, snuff it. I said in my discussion pod that it would be cool to see survivors this time around and we got a couple, one being... Diego with the pipe bomb traps in his arms, which again was pretty grim to watch. And obviously Gabriella too for a short spell. And then finally Cecilia, like she's left in the warehouse forever following the completion of the game. It was all pretty big ticks for me on that front. I mean, there's an argument that Cecilia could return if you don't see her die. She just left there. So if Sorry 11 continues, she could end up returning. Who knows? Like, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'm just going to be interested if they were to do that, how they would bring her back. You know what I mean? But the big thing for me, and probably the better twist, was the mid credit scene. Before we come to what occurs, just the fact that the original bathroom was there, just awesome to see. Like, I I love it when we go back to the bathroom in the Saw films. I, I, I said that, too, in my preview discussion, that if we see any action in the original bathroom, I just, yeah... I just love the shots they constantly use for it when they do go back, like the lights turning on, like looking up at the lights as they turn on. And then we get that, you know, blue tinge, the colour palette for that room, just lighting up and revealing the bathroom. It's really, really excellent. Now, there's a couple of things here that I loved, obviously, being back in the bathroom, and that was the fact that we got some brilliant fan service with the inclusion of Detective Hoffman, played once again by Costas Mandalor. I did assume that he would pop up, and once in the film we heard John on the phone to a detective earlier saying, I need to find these people, locate these people. You just knew that Hoffman was going to pop up at some point, and his cameo was just the best. Added as well that I did not think that the character Henry, played by Michael Beach, was going to be part of the scam. You know, earlier in the film, he's the one that tells John about the treatment and that he completed the treatment himself and given him the all clear. You know, he's apparently, you know, stage for pancreatic cancer revealing that like wound he'd got on his stomach from the from the surgery i couldn't believe this twist and thought again it was just a really nice little add-on we find henry strung up dangling in the bathroom with this mechanism attached to the front set to cut open into his stomach or whatever added as well as the absolutely fantastic line from hoffman out of all the men to cheat you picked john kramer i call that 
epic bad luck. Ah, oh, it's so ace here in this. And again, it closed off the film very, very nicely. Now, according to Kevin Gritter, obviously the director, Mark Hoffman's appearance is probably the most fan servicey thing that they did in this film. He stated that the Saw fan base had been dying for another chance to see Hoffman and the post-credit scene was a nice way to please loyal viewers, you know, tie up the other characters' loose ends of this film and for them also, for the writers and the, the creator team, just to have fun with it too. And it certainly, certainly was fun. It was so, so great. Now, I do, though, have, you know, a question of what happens to Henry's body after the sequence, you know, whether he survives or not, because his corpse, well, it's not in Saw 2 or Saw 3, it's not in the bathroom or anything like that, or even in the final chapter where Hoffman is left at the end. Um, so maybe he survived, who knows? There's another thread there that they could pull at. And again, more than happy to see that in the next sequel kind of thing, but... Yeah, overall, I'm just um, I'm just thrilled that Sorex did like live up to like expectations of many because, like I said, I, I was excited for it, but I just kind of downplayed the excitement on the back of what happened last time with the last couple of films. But to come away as as impressed as I have been, I uh, I think yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it, that they've they've absolutely nailed it. So yeah, Sorex eight point five for me. I'd love to know what other people think of this film. I say I've spoken to a few people already who are either big Saw fans or not Saw fans, but unanimously we're all saying that it's a really, really great film and it's not just like gore for the sake of it. Um, it is just so, so good. So, so good. I'd be more than happy if they did more like this. Um, it does seem that there's a, a bit of a cry out for it now. But let me know your thoughts if you've seen Saw X. I'd love to know where you rank, what your ranking is now that Saw X is in the mix. Um, I probably will do a Saw ranking at some point. It's spooky season now, Halloween. I expect a few more spookier podcasts. So one of them, in fact, may very well be a bit of a bonus one, just reviewing and not reviewing, but just, yeah, putting my Saw rankings to, uh, yeah, to you lovely listeners. Anyways, thank you so much as always for clicking on the podcast. Make sure you hit those like buttons, all that jazz on the social front, get in touch, leave reviews. Just appreciate you listening more than anything. It means the absolute world. Until the next episode, take care.